Hey guys, today we'll talk about Bitcoin versus stocks. Um, if we should uh, pick each one of them or just take both. Let's go. Bitcoin is hot right now. That alone should raise a flag, but um, is it bad just because of it? Uh, I would say not so fast. Let's go through the bull case for Bitcoin to understand its importance. First of all, what is Bitcoin? Bitcoin is money, a form of money, but has a big difference compared to fiat currencies, such as euros or dollars, um, and that is that it has a fixed supply of 21 million coins. So Bitcoin is not a company and shouldn't be analyzed like one. Why does Bitcoin have value? Bitcoin has value because of its fixed supply that I was talking about. It serves as a store of value against inflation. Gold is a similar asset, but Bitcoin has competitive advantages over it, I would argue. But uh, we'll talk about this a bit later on the, the podcast. It also is important to say that Bitcoin price doesn't rise magically. <laughs> it is a mix of... Um, few things. Um, if I could sum it up, I would say it is a mix of pure speculation, first of all, so people that are simply greedy, and a mix of edging against fiat supply, supply rises. When the European Central Bank or the Federal Reserve increases uh, money supply by 10 to 25% in a single year, uh, that money will have to bleed into the economy in various ways. Bank credits, direct asset purchases, stimulus checks, you name it. This will cause certain assets to inflate in price. Uh, for example, the stock market, you can argue. And in a worst case scenario, um, fiat currency reputation damage. So... As of today, uh, the US dollar is the world uh, reserve currency. And that um, is at stake when they print the, <laughs> this enormous amount of money every year. Um, by the way, this, is, this can be followed uh, if you follow M2 money supply uh, for both uh, ECB and Fed. Um, M2 you can think of uh, as um, the most uh, liquid forms of money and that can include uh, cash, checking deposits, time deposits, money market funds um, and that's pretty much it. If you take a look at the written version of this audio podcast um, and you can check it in stockpickinginsights.com you will see two, two images. One is from um, USM2. And you will see that um, the money supply increased. Uh, and this is only 2020. It increased by 25%. So every dollar that was in circulation um, around the world has increased 25% uh, over the last year. You will also um, see another image uh, from Europe, and that is also M2, what happened to it. 
uh, you will see that M2 uh, for the euro area uh, also increased by over 10% in a single year. So <laughs> they are not falling behind on that train. <clears throat> and uh, because Bitcoin has limited supply, um, there is a little inflation when new blocks are created, but increasingly less. Demand is the major force in play uh, for Bitcoin. With a small market cap compared to gold, um, cash supply increasing by 10 to 25% in major countries like um, US or major regions like Europe, as we were talking about. And on top of all that, low, low interest rates uh, pressuring the enormous bond markets, money flows into Bitcoin as a store of value. Now we will take a look at the role of each party in the Bitcoin network. And I'll sum up very briefly the roles of each one. Um, the, there are two major parties in the Bitcoin network. You have full nodes and miners. Uh, both are essential, but ultimately full nodes have the voting power, uh, quote-unquote voting power, because there is no actual vote. <laughs> um, in the Bitcoin network, but uh, vote is implicit. And uh, let's start with full notes. Go to the local electronic store, buy an Arduino or a Raspberry Pi and uh, an external drive, then run continuously a software called Bitcoin Core on it. And there you go, you got the full node. So that's what a full node is. The software you just installed comes with very predefined rules for what transactions and blocks are valid. Just by having the full node connected to the network, it is automatically uh, doing some work. Each node is validating transactions and blocks while keeping records, and by records we mean blockchain, updated. Um, both validations are done by the rules of the software you just installed. When transactions are valid, they will go into your pool of valid, valid transactions, and that is called mempool, and they will be broadcasted to other nodes. Each node is working independently in parallel. These rules are vital. Can I change them? Yeah, yes, but miners won't want to include the transactions you verified according to your standards uh, because the block will be invalid to other full nodes when created, causing the miner to be wasting money uh, on energy and not getting the reward. One other important embedded rule is for the full nodes to adopt the chain with most work done, and that is determined by block difficulty. It doesn't prevent temporary double spending, but that can be solved by simply waiting. There will be temporary ties and double spends when two miners broadcast a valid block simultaneously, but the blockchain eventually reorganizes itself uh, using predefined rules. And that's why mer merchants uh, usually wait for a few blocks before shipping goods or rendering services paid. And then we have miners. Uh, miners are also nodes, so they require a full node to work. 
but their interests are different from the other full nodes we were talking about, so they deserve their own name. They work for the network, they make blocks, and they take transactions from the mempool, um, the mempool we were talking about, so valid transactions, but that aren't yet on the blockchain. They aggregate, aggregate them into a block and mine it, costing energy. Because their interests are different from other full nodes, uh, conflicts happened in the past. The most important uh, of them and um, probably the most important of the Bitcoin history uh, as a, a store of value was Segwit2x. And uh, miners wanted bigger blocks to make more transaction fee revenues with the same energy expenditures. <clears throat> This would make running a full node more expensive in external drive space, and that would centralize voting power. Again, quote-unquote voting power. But the opposing majority of nodes simply did nothing, and the miners had to succumb if they wanted to make money. They could make and mine all the bigger blocks they wanted, but the, the majority of full nodes would simply not consider it valid. This majority of full nodes uh, needs miners to make blocks uh, and miners need to make money. But the majority of full nodes will win uh, in a clash between the two. So you with your full node are uh, quote-unquote voting when you don't update your software, uh, abiding to the original rules. So. Segwit2x was very important because it showed who has the ultimate voting power between miners and other full nodes. Let's take a closer look at the competitive advantages of Bitcoin. We already lightly touched on those, but Bitcoin being a store of value is competing against other stores of value. Uh, and that is historically gold. Uh, it has been the go-to asset against inflation. Uh, if I buy gold, either physically or via ETFs, derivatives, I can't use it as a currency or transfer, transfer it easily. Bitcoin can, uh, on the other hand, be easily transferred and uh, with the help of exchanges, uh, be used for everyday payments. So. Um, two competitive advantages for Bitcoin. Uh, gold bulls argue that Bitcoin is very volatile, thus a, a bad store of value, and that is uh, true that it is very volatile. Uh, but to them, I, I would say two things. Gold is volatile too, if you take a look at the, the history of gold. And Bitcoin's market cap is 10x smaller than, than uh, gold's market cap and that um, is a plus in my view uh, because it is easier to to grow gold though uh, has a longer proven track record of value uh, and being tangible comforts the buyer so i can see the bull case for gold too what to do with all this information although i prefer to invest my money in individual companies every time 
um, low interest rates and fiat supply increases, at least in part, are driving stock prices uh, way too high for me. And that leaves me personally with no choices at the moment. The first use of Bitcoin is buying and cold storing it. Uh, this will protect your portfolio against, against fiat currency uh, inflation. Uh, there's a second use for Bitcoin. Uh, I use both. Um, and that is for everyday purchases. Uh, exchanges uh, such as Binance, and this is not a paid endorsement, it's just the, the, the exchange I use. Um, they offer a free Visa debit card for you to use. Everywhere Visa network payments are allowed. Uh, you buy Bitcoin, you wait uh, for enough appreciation to cover up the spread and other round-trip fees, uh, and then you use the card to pay for everyday things, uh, such as groceries and fuel. And um, keep in mind that Binance uh, charges you a spread not only when you convert uh, euros, if you are uh, converting euros to dollars, but they also charge a spread uh, when you buy everyday things. So they charge a spread every time there's a, a conversion, which is expected, but something to, to keep in mind. That's it for today. If you would like to check the, the written version of, of this audio podcast, you go to stockpickinginsights.com. Uh, also, if you would like to subscribe to the newsletter, also go there too. And uh, I'll see you next week.